in the book of Psalms tonight, Psalms chapter number 80, Psalm 80 this evening, and um, it's been an eventful day, a good eventful, uh, sometimes Sundays can be a lot of running around, but uh, today we had services, well Sunday school service this morning, and then uh, uh, we had, uh, had regional center this afternoon at 1, and then um, I shared with you I had a meeting at 5, and then uh, now we have our meeting at 6, and then I have a meeting to follow after this, and so uh, let's just say I, I think I will sleep well tonight, so I look forward to that time, but uh, I do enjoy being able to uh, preach, and uh, I enjoy being able to share with you things, and sometimes, you know, I remember hearing a pastor put it this way, but sometimes a pastor kind of has to wrestle through a passage, and uh, what that means is you just, you haven't really brought the drawn the conclusion as to why God has you there uh, and so you're just reading it over and over and over and over and you're just studying it and thinking on different words and, and different phrases and things like that and and uh, sometimes you know God just gives it to you you just have that conclusion and um, and uh, other times it's you know uh, you just know that's where God has you. And I would say that tonight, that's one of those, those times that uh, that's just where God has you. I've always been the type of person, maybe not every preacher is this way, but you know, God kind of works in my heart during the week about what to speak on. Sometimes it has to do with the theme of the day, but, um, but for me, it's, it's always uh, better given, I feel like, uh, when it's fresh in my mind. So uh, Saturdays is, is just a full... You know, just intoxicating myself with the Word of God, and that's a good thing to intoxicate yourself with, right? But just uh, studying the passage, and um, you know, um, uh, one pastor used to, uh, evangelist, Dub Brother Farrell, actually used to say, you know, sometimes pastors have that Saturday night special, you know, you stayed up all night working on, and and uh, but so I don't try, I try not to have a Saturday night special all the time, but uh, the Saturday nights end up with a with a. A thorough study you kind of sleep on it for a little bit and you're ready to go um, I tried as a youth pastor uh, and especially at that time I was we were earlier on in marriage and it was like you know we even more want to spend more time with each other and so the goal was always like let's try to get all the sermon preparation done like way ahead in the week so then I don't have to worry about it by the weekend but the problem with that, it's like it's like giving old toast. It's like eating old toast, you know. Uh, you're, you're, it's not fresh. You're not fresh having been in the Word of God, and you're not giving it fresh. And uh, your thoughts don't come to mind as you draw the conclusions to them as easily and everything. And so um, that's that's just not the way it works for me. But uh, um, maybe in time, that maybe some a little bit of maturity will help with that. All of us can use a little more of that. Maybe me a little more than some. But uh, uh, Psalm chapter 80 tonight, and uh, let's let's look together at um, uh, what the psalm has for us. I want to talk to you tonight about. Uh, the things that we can take for granted about God. Three things that we can take for granted about God. I believe that um, if I were to summarize it into three, the psalmist, as he writes in Psalm 80, is, is speaking about things that the people of God had taken for granted. What you find in the remaining psalms uh, uh, are as much of history. In fact, much of the Old Testament is mentioned. And uh, it's debated about who wrote some psalms and that sort of thing. Some would say, you know, if it wasn't Asaph who actually wrote this psalm himself uh, of his own heart. Some debate if it's someone like Daniel. And there's different conclusions for why. And, and others would say maybe, you know, uh, was it somebody like David? And, and there's always debate about who. But here's what we do know is that God has given us 
his word and that these are words that have come from God. And so the, the message that uh, we receive from it is a message from God, ultimately. Context helps, helps us to determine the meaning anytime we study scripture. And so the context here is he's speaking in reference to what I believe and what would appear to be uh, near the end of the Babylonian exile of the children of Israel. Now, if you remember a few months back, we were studying together in um, uh, Nehemiah and uh, Ezra and uh, that period of time of the, the kingdom being divided and the northern kingdom's now gone and here's the southern kingdom that is Judah is being taken under captivity and uh, within that captivity they are then, uh, there is that remnant within uh, that God uses to uh, that he brings back into their, their land and the temple is rebuilt, okay? So where we come to this psalm is in reference to the sin, which uh, particularly the, the northern tribe, the northern kingdom had given themselves into. But of, of course, we know the southern kingdom to have also been in the midst of battles. And what had God done? Well, we read on more than one occasion in more than one area of scripture, God, God's judgment upon the people at that time was actually sending the enemy to them to destroy them okay that was his form of judgment to them now there are other forms of judgment that he gave but ultimately it was god's releasing of his hand of protection in any fashion and that really leads us into the thoughts of tonight is um those things which are taken granted for uh, that we take for granted of god and you think about the children of israel all that god had given to them and uh it would seem when we read scripture like man what is wrong with these people? They have every reason to trust God, to lean on God, to believe that God is able and uh, to, you know, to not lose faith in him, but yet they did. And uh, it's like I was just sharing with someone earlier today, you know, in our sin nature, sin without God, it comes naturally, okay? We will commit sin without God. When we don't allow God to have the proper place in our life, we will give ourselves to sin. And so uh, this is the same, the same case for them is the same case for us. A man or woman is capable of doing anything when their heart is not right with God. And so the problem with the children of Israel, in every instance, though they got right and then they got into sin and they got right and then they got into sin in their relationship with God, yet ultimately uh, it was them choosing not to yield to God and giving into their sin nature. So notice as the psalmist writes, he says in Psalm 80 verse 1, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up thy strength and come and save us. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Thou feedest them with the bread of tears, and givest them tears to drink in great measure. Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt, thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it, and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills are covered with shadows of it, and the, the uh, bows are thereof uh, were like the goodly cedars. She sent out her bows unto the sea, and her branches unto the uh, river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? The boar out of the wood doth waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and behold uh, and visit this vine, and the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself. 
It is burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Let thy hand be upon man uh, of thy right hand upon the son of man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. So will not we go back from thee. Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. The Bible tells us of the uh, that which we can, first of all, take for granted about God is his protection. The protection of God. In verse number one, the Bible tells us, Give ear, O shepherd. Notice the capitalization of that word shepherd. It's talking about God himself. Aren't you thankful that God is our shepherd? Amen. Think about what, our, what the shepherd does. He leads us. I think it's a, it would be a healthy thing for us to turn to Psalm 23, a very famous and familiar passage. But when we consider the characteristic of God as our shepherd, what better passage of Scripture to turn to than Psalm 23? Psalm 23, and it's, you know, you may know the verses. They may be familiar to you, but I believe uh, there's power in seeing and laying your eyes on, on Scripture uh, again. And so, uh, Psalm 23, in verse number 1, the Word of God says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We have no need or a reason to desire anything else because we have God as our leader, as our shepherd, as our guide. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. There's peace in knowing where God's going to lead us. He'll never lead us wrong. He'll never lead us astray. Verse 3, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Psalm 80, we're, we're told that because of the sin that the children of Israel had given themselves into, that God was no longer going to be their protector. They were no longer going to have God as uh, a one who was going to lead and guide them. And could I say to you that uh, the, the, one of the things most often taken for granted of the believer is the protection and the leading and guiding of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that we would just trust God more. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto what? Thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he what? Shall direct thy paths. God is our shepherd. He's our guide. Uh, a, a shepherd helps to keep the wolves out from the fold. Uh, a shepherd helps to keep, the, uh, helps to keep us uh, where it's healthy, that we're feeding in green pastures. The shepherd helps to keep us among the still waters where there's peace, where there's comfort. When we lean upon God, there's, there is that safety. There is that peace. There is that comfort of knowing uh, that he's in control. The Bible tells us to cast our, all our burdens upon the Lord for he cares for us. And as we cast our burdens upon God, now we're believing by faith that God as my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. And it's interesting that that's the very wording which is used by the psalmist. He says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, verse 1, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. He's re-referencing the children of Israel as that flock. And there's a little bit of a walkthrough and reminder here of, of Joseph, because remember it was Joseph who was instrumentally used of God to bring the people at that time to Egypt, which was providence. And then it was later that we see God using Moses to bring the people out of Egypt to the promised land. And so 
these, this is God's leading, amen? God's working. And we can look back in our lives and be reminded of, uh, of the leading and working of God in our life. And uh, could I just encourage you, challenge you tonight, don't take for granted the protection of God. Maybe you're going through something in your life, something's just weighing you down. Maybe something's frustrating. Uh, maybe you just feel like you don't know which way to turn. God is our shepherd, amen? We can lean on him. And uh, don't, don't take for granted the guidance of God. You know, uh, sometimes we can be hasty in making decisions. We can be hasty and, and rash in making uh, choices of life uh, because they're not made with God's, our shepherd's leading. And so wait on God. Uh, God's timing is always different than our timing. <laughs> the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, he hath made all things beautiful in his time. So we don't know uh, to what end it will be, to what amount of time it'll take, but we know that the ultimate end will be beautiful in the eyes of God. And um, like we talked about this morning, uh, be satisfied with nothing more than what grace that God gives to you from day to day. Uh, God doesn't give us anything more than we need. In fact, he gives, us, uh, he gives us more than we truly do need, but he doesn't give us anything more or anything less than we need. He gives us all that we need. And if we conclude that uh, what God has given to us is everything and all that I need, uh, we have nothing else to desire or pursue in life. The problem with the children of Israel is that uh, they, they had stopped giving their putting their faith in God and believing that God was able. And so as a result, God has removed his strength. He removed his protection from them. Verse 2, he refers to Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, these different tribes that were of that northern kingdom, of the northern tribes. And um, notice how he concludes, and he does this one now of three times where this phrase is mentioned in verse 3. He says, turn us again. That'll lead me to the second point tonight. Not only do we consider the protection of God being taken for granted, that is, he is our shepherd. But secondly, we can take for granted our prayers, our prayers. What we find is now the psalmist writing in, in really a, a plea and or a prayer to God. And in verse 3, he says, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Notice again verse 7. He says, Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. He concludes in the psalm in verse 19. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. As I was studying these verses, it's interesting the escalation that he makes within his prayer. Notice in verse 3 how that it says, turn us again, O God. We've been studying through the names of God. Uh, the, the word God, which is used there, is talking about Elohim, God Elohim. And if you remember, as we, we looked at a few weeks ago, we're talking about God, our creator, the one who has created us, the creator of it all. So the reference he's making here, and when we consider the word which he used, Elohim, for God, he's saying, God, you are the creator of all, and as a result, you are the shepherd, you are the protector, you are the overseer of all. And so he says, turn us again, O God, <laughs> God, our creator. But he continues in that escalation of his prayer. Turn us again, O God of hosts. That word hosts is a, um, a military term. It's, it's speaking of the, very, the power of God, that God is, has power over heaven and earth. And so he's making reference to the fact that God has always been. He created all that exists. But now he's making reference to the fact that God is in control of all and he has power to make all things happen according to his will. So he says, 
Turn us again, O God, Elohim of hosts. And in verse 19, he brings it even further. Uh, he says, Turn us again, O Lord God. Now we see the name Jehovah being inserted. And it's the name Jehovah where uh, it's, it, we, as you would have learned this past Wednesday if you were out for Bible study, uh, that God has always been and always will be. We're talking about the very existence of who God is. He, he never changes. And so essentially what he's saying is, Lord God, would you turn back to us? Essentially, what, he's not saying that God hasn't already been looking to them. He's saying, God, we're turning back to you, but God, would you turn back all that you are to us? Would you show all that you are back to us that you are Jehovah? You, as you've always been, may you always and continue to be with us. May you be uh, that Elohim, the creator. May you continue to work within our life uh, as you are the shepherd above all. And as you have all things in your power and your control, uh, you are the, the Lord God of hosts is how that prayer is given. With an, with an emphasis upon the characteristics of God. And so we can take for granted our prayers to God. Not just our protect, the protection of God, but our prayers to God. The very fact that God is um, all present. He has always been. He is the creator of all. Uh, he, he, he can allow and cause all to take place according to his will. Amen. That's a powerful God. And uh, this is the recognition that the psalmist is giving of God in his very character. And um, uh, look at verse number four, if you would. The Bible says, O Lord God of hosts, there it is again. How long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? God didn't just remove his protection from the people, but he removed a listening ear of the prayers which the people were giving to him. That's why he begins in the Psalm chapter 80, verse 1, with the very first two words, give ear. He's talking to God. Give ear. Listen. Hear us. God, you've closed yourself off from us because of our sin. We've chosen to remove you from our lives. And so as a result, you are not hearing our prayers. God, would you turn back to us? We are turning to you. <laughs> this, is a, this is a plea and a prayer to God in such a way. You realize, and, and can I remind you tonight, that our prayers can... If, if our heart is not right with God, our prayers can and are possibly not to be heard by God if our relationship with Him is not right. If we uh, uh, don't keep our relationship with man as well as with God as it should be. Uh, the, the first area would be particularly concerning unconfessed sin. When you choose not to confess sin, you harbor sin, you live with sin, you allow sin to exist, whether it's uh, uh, open sin which you are giving your life into or something which you're harboring like bitterness. Uh, if sin is existent and it's unconfessed in your life, uh, your prayers uh, cannot be expected to be answered. God hears all. It's not to say that God does not hear you. But when we use the reference saying God does not hear you, we're saying God is not, should we say, under any obligation. Not that we have to obligate God to do anything, but God is not given any reason to answer your prayer because your heart's not right with him. In Proverbs 28, verse 9, the Bible says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, that is the word of God, even his prayer shall be an abomination. God says your prayer is just as an abomination, the same sin as, as God describes that of homosexuality is an abomination and the same uh, and other sins of, of wickedness before God is the, the, the very same 
in its very essence as you choosing not to confess your sin before God. You can't expect your prayers to be heard. In fact, they're flippant. In fact, they, they give no honor, no uh, respect to God. Uh, you're just essentially saying, God, I'm going to live my life as my please. But by the way, will you please do this for me? Uh, you're, there, there's no respect to God that unconfessed sin. So our prayers can be taken for granted. In Psalm 66 and verse 18, the Bible says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so I say to you, Christian, don't take the, the opportunity for us to come to the throne of grace for granted. It's a privilege. Amen? It's a privilege that we can bring our prayers to God. Uh, we are not worthy to do so, but that God would allow us to. So, but we have to keep our heart right with him. Not just with God, but also with man. The Bible tells us not just unconfessed sin, but unforgiven relationships. We've, we're familiar with Matthew 5. The Bible tells us uh, in verse 23 and 24, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and then rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Uh, we, we can't expect any of our prayers to receive an answer and or a blessing as a result of them being brought to God if our relationship isn't right with man. So the Bible tells us that we can have unconfessed sins as well as unforgiven relationships. Uh, don't take for granted uh, the prayers which we bring to God. Um, God hears every prayer. But uh, our prayers are a mockery when we live in a disobedience. In Lamentations 5 and verse 21, there's a further connection to Psalm 80. And the Bible says, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. Uh, remember, the book of Lamentations is Jeremiah writing of the laments of all, that, all the sin which the children of Israel had given themselves into. But he concludes, Lamentations 5 is the last chapter in verse 21, one of those very last verses, by saying, renew our days of old. God, would you turn back? Give us the same protection which you once gave us before. Hear our prayers, lead and guide us as the shepherd which you once were to us before. It is we who have turned from you, but Lord God, would you turn back to us uh, as we are repenting, as we are confessing of our sins. Uh, Lord, would you hear our prayers? Uh, it's unfortunate to say that sometimes I believe God, uh, the, the prayers of God's church is hindered because God's people uh, are harboring sin or they've, uh, maybe on the, on the, the other side, they've taken for granted even the protection of God, believing that God is able to guide, lead, and direct, and to do according to his will. We, we could link all this to the matter of faith. Every believer is to have faith in God, believe that God is able, uh, believe that God is in control. But are, do we believe by faith that he is our shepherd? Do we believe by faith that he will answer our prayers, that he will hear our prayers? Um, you know, uh, the, the prayers of God's church can be hindered just by a few people that are choosing to harbor sin or that are choosing uh, to, uh, to not confess their sin or not make their heart right with God. Or for that matter, simply just not believing him by faith. And so our protection from God is taken for granted. Our prayers to God are taken for granted. But lastly, our fellowship with God is taken for granted. In verse uh, 8 down through verse number 14, there's a reference that is being made to Israel as being the vine. And, of course, we're familiar with uh, the, the, 
The, if you're familiar with Isaiah, in Isaiah 5, he talks about the wine press and the vine and the grapes and, and the parallel that there is of Israel. So he, he's using this as a, um, as a reference to Israel themselves. And he, verse 8, I'll read it to you again. Thou hast brought a vine, that being Israel, out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it, brought him into the promised land. Verse 9. Thou preparest room before it, and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. There were not just a few people there. There were hundreds and hundreds. Uh, the, the, the children of Israel had become into the, even in the thousands. Verse 10. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the bows thereof were like the goodly cedars. She set out her bows unto the sea, and her branches unto the river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? They become now the mockery. You read in Lamentations, uh, that's what, uh, the, the, all her beauty is gone. Uh, Israel's personified as a woman, and Jeremiah says that in the beginning of the chapter. He says all the beauty of Israel is gone. Uh, everything that once she was known for is no longer there. And keep in mind, if you remember the geography of Israel uh, and the, the, the promised land, God's people were placed in the midst, in the middle, just a, 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 what would seem to be maybe a, a little to nothing of a, 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 of a, a place, but God placed them in the middle of all the other surrounding nations. And uh, what did God end up causing Israel to be, or, or, or the children of Israel to be? Uh, they were, as we could call them, the plunder, so to speak, of, uh, of every one of the nation's uh, captivities. It was, it was they who desired to have the land that Israel had, uh, why? Because they saw the blessings that God was giving to them. They were such a testimony and known to others for the blessings of God in their life, but God has stripped all of that away from them. Okay, so when the Bible tells us, uh, they which pass by do pluck her, they're a mockery now. Okay, it's, here's, here comes Babylon, they plucked them up. You know, Here come the Assyrians and they're just plucking them up. They're just being thrown around and, and tossed around. They've lost the protection of God. God's not hearing their prayers. Uh, their relationship is now what we're talking about. That fellowship is gone. Verse 13, the boar of the wood doth waste it and the wild beasts of the field doth devour it. Many debate about who that boar is, but most definitely one of the nations that had attacked them. And uh, you think about that of a boar. I just was doing a brief study on what they do. They don't just simply eat uh, grub, so to speak, of, of, uh, of that which is in the ground, but they burrow and they dig down so much to the point that if they're near even trees and roots, they'll pull it all up, okay? They'll just devour. They'll kill a whole tree as a result just from burrowing all around and digging and eating up all that grub. And so the Bible says, The boar out of the wood doth waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. There is nothing left. There's nothing to be said of it. The foundation is gone. It's all destroyed. The Bible says in verse 14, Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and behold, and visit this vine. God, please come back. <laughs> Return to us. We desire to come back to you. And it says in verse number 15, In the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou hast strong for thyself. Now, I'm, uh, we, we could get carried away just in that that name there, the branch, because there's a reference here to Jesus Christ. If you study in the Old Testament, you'll find in other places where Jesus is referred to as that branch. Uh, but verse 16, it is burned with fire, it is cut down, they, they perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of, of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. 
Notice verse 18, and here's where that fellowship is desired. That which they now acknowledge has been taken for granted. They say, so will not we go back from thee. Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. The word quicken is used uh, often in the Psalms, and it, it's speaking of uh, and using with the term to say, God, please revive us. Bring us back to life. <laughs> Bring us back to where we should be. God, you, you've done all this. We acknowledge that, the psalmist writes. God, you are the creator. You've always been. You've always existed. The names of God which he uses. You are the, the Lord of hosts, the Lord God of hosts. You are Elohim. You, have all, you, you are in control and have the power to do all. And there's, no, uh, there's nothing that's, that is uh, being hidden from us outside of all that you are. And say, God, please turn back. He says three times, turn back to us. Revive us, God. Don't ever take for granted the fellowship you have with God, the friendship you have with God. Amen? God is a friend. He's taken closer than a brother. If you ever have a need, you can come to him. You can talk to him. If you have a burden which you're carrying, you can share it with him. You can give it to him. God is there for you. Uh, sometimes we can uh, be truthfully foolish in the, the lack of acknowledgement that we give to God as being our friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We can run to every other individual on this earth, and God is the last person we come to as a friend. So don't, don't, don't misunderstand this fact, that God is our God, but God is also our friend. Amen? Sometimes we only treat God simply as God, but not in the characteristic of a friend, as he, Scripture tells us that he is. What do you do with a friend? A friend, you can tell the things which you don't tell anybody else. A friend is somebody you can depend on. A friend is, is somebody who, hey, I just need somebody to talk to. Can I just... Give, lift my burden off and share it with you. Uh, a friend is somebody you know that's going to help you. You know they have your back. Uh, you, you know that, uh, that uh, uh, they're always going to be there for you when you need them. That's who God is. God is our friend. And so uh, w these things which we can so easily take for granted, nothing deep tonight, but understand as the psalmist writes, God is our shepherd. Don't take for granted the fact that God as a shepherd leads and guides the sheep he helps, uh, sheep, the sheep will always wander. That's why they need a shepherd. He helps to make sure that nothing comes in to harm them. Helps to make sure that they are uh, pasturing, that they are grazing in, uh, in a place that is healthy, uh, that is going to help them uh, to thrive, in a place that is of peace and, and uh, that we can rest and that we can be comforted. Uh, God is a God who hears our prayers. We can come to God about any need that we ever have, and we can rest assured that he will hear our prayers, and even further, that he will answer our prayers. And yet, in the same way, God is our friend. We can have such a fellowship with God as we can with our closest friend here on this earth. You see, when we take those things for granted, when we allow all those things to become so secondary, and as, what happens is, as a result, we start depending upon ourselves, resting, cause, finding rest even with sin in our life. And now God becomes less and less a part of our life. And if we're not careful as a result, God will no longer be our protector. The Christian says, well, why is all these things happening to me? Well, I don't know. How's your relationship with God? Are you keeping sin out of your life? The Christian says, well, uh, why does it seem like God's not hearing my prayers? Well, how is your relationship with God as well as your relationship with man? Do you have unconfessed sin? Do you have unforgiven relationships? Somebody says, well, uh, why does it seem like 
that God is my friend. I just don't seem to have the relationship like I should with him. Uh, God will turn away from us if we turn our lives away from him. You know, I don't believe that um, uh, God is, is anything less than a God of second chances. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. I believe God always gives us the opportunity to come to him. But the Bible does tell us in the book of Romans that uh, there were those that God even gave over to a reprobate mind. They were so given to sin that God so turned himself from them that they received no blessings, no protection, no fellowship. Did they lose their salvation? I don't believe so. But were they believers who had turned from God? Yes. And does it happen today? Yes. Christian, how's your relationship with God? A man or woman's capable of doing anything when their heart is not right with him. The question is, is your heart right with God? I, I think it's sad when, we, when you consider the fact that um, for all the times that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these, um, he used the word hypoc hypocrites, <laughs> these hypocritical uh, individuals who portrayed themselves to be someone whom they were not. Um, so many believers do that today. And how, how relevant it is for us to consider the fact that for all the times that we can point the finger at those individuals, we can be just as guilty as they. Christian, are you genuine in who you are? Are you even a Christian? Are you even a believer in Christ? Do you practice your faith in Christ? What I mean by that is, is uh, as we talked about last week, last Sunday, are you a light for Christ? Is it seen by your good works? Are you bearing fruit in the vineyard of God? Uh, are you seeking to obey him in those next steps? Hey, if you're a believer in Christ and you've never been scripturally baptized, that's the next step, okay? If, if you've been uh, saved and you've been scripturally baptized, uh, are you growing? Are you a part of a church? Are you a member? Are you involved? Are you getting busy for God? Maybe you've, you are all three of those things as far as uh, you're saved, you're baptized, you're a member. Are you being faithful to him? Are you keeping sin out of your life? God's blessing can, uh, can be turned from Community Bible Church just by a few families who choose not to remove sin from their life, who choose to harbor sin in their life, who choose not to have a right relationship in their life, or should we say, who take it for granted who God is in their life. Lord, we ask that you'd help us as your people uh, to not take for granted who you are. May we uh, 